I mean, in your own win, well, it's in the Yes, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Propaganda, the Stanford Estates podcast. Uh, as always, I'm, by, I'm joined by our two directors, James and Alex. Uh, this week on today's episode, we're going to be discussing um, a few more things about buy-to-let investments, buy-to-let mortgages, and just what it's like to purchase if you're um, thinking of doing a buy-to-let at the moment. I suppose a lot of the landlords over the last couple of years that we've dealt with have been kind of more of accidental landlords, what we call. They're not really, they never plan to buy it. It's just sort of life has happened and they've ended up renting out their property. Um, but there's a lot of talk at the moment about is buy to let and buying an investment property to rent out a good idea at the moment. Um, so we're going to go into that. Before we jump in, have you guys got anything that you want to... I thought we'd introduce you, Jack. I think you just introduced yourself, no name. I think people like to know who you are. Well, there's been some discussion about how we introduce ourselves. Oh, sure. Who are you, Jack? You know? uh, I'm Jack, yeah. if you keep calling me. Yeah, and one uh, of the managers. Yeah, I manage our Catford branch and have done for a while. So And now the host of the podcast. Yeah. Falling naturally into your role. The hostess with the mostest. So, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. I just thought I'd pick up the point because we were told that you always maybe introduce other people like yourself. Mm. Always, always put others first. Um, yeah, anything before we, uh, <laughs> before we jump in? Anything you guys... Any pressing issues? Any uh, any moans, groans? I've, I've got another I've got moan. Another oh, sorry, I've got another moan. It's um, weekly moan I, by James. Yeah, we call it. James Need an agony J- after James's me. corner. Um, I lost a valuation that I'm very upset about. It was lovely wow. house, Edwardian, my sort of thing. I do love an Edwardian house. Uh, some my just, first flat. Was some Edwardian. of them just do hit differently, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, you know, this was one of those. Yeah, where you know Gutted. it was. I should have got it because of the house. I should have got it because of the client, you know, nice family home. Um, I should, it's, it's mad though, because they're, they're developing at the back of it. And um, so basically knocked down some garages at, at the back of the back garden. And I looked out the window in the loft conversion and all you can see is the neighbor's shed, which has fallen down the back where the retaining wall they've taken away <laughs> has gone. It's just this shed Sliding slipping away. down the back there. It's, yeah, it's different. Um, but no, I'm I'm just upset about it, is all it is. Yeah. Um, it's one of those, they sometimes, you never like losing them, but sometimes they hurt. And this sometimes one hurt a hit, little yeah. bit more than, than they It's the nice ones. Me. It's the ones that you, I don't know, you see yourself living in. It? Yeah, it's, I've it's had the, one of them this year. Real we, tough, yeah, tough beat. without yeah. wanting to sound arrogant, I know that I should be the one to sell it. Mm, we've like, been for it. Yeah. yeah, I know I'm the best person to sell that house. Um, Do you know why you lost it, or is it too too raw? Too I'm shame. a twat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that, but why'd you lose? Why'd you lose um, the I, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Um, it's what sometimes the tougher ones are when you don't even hear back as yeah. well, right? And you just think you've really you nailed it. You've had yeah. a good conversation. You've really got on with them. Mm. You know you're on point. You got the backing of it, and then it even just appears in line with someone else. Yeah, I just got told I was losing my one because they told me that everyone else had valued it a lot more. Which was like a real well, yeah, but then decision. hopefully if it doesn't hopefully for them it does, but if it doesn't sell, then you'll get it second time round, really, when Yeah, it's just one of them ones as well, you know, it's just I don't know. I thought I'd nail on the head, I was saying to my girlfriend, it's a beautiful house, lovely, the interior, the decor, everything about it. And I went with a slightly pushy evaluation because of it. Mm. Yeah, they got even more than what I'd said, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens when it goes on. Oh, you've had one too this week? Not this week actually, it was last week or oh, yeah, week enough. four, but it was um yeah, who knows? It might come back round. They've still not gone on. I think it they're comes still sussing out. Much money there yeah. if it's too high. Well, I've we gone back to them a few times to sort of say, look, like let's just appreciate where you're going with this one. You're trying to move up a spec of house, so a bigger house, mm. 
and you've got people telling you that your small house is worth the same amount of money as that larger house you're trying to purchase. This isn't a trade-off for 250 square foot for zero value. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think, I don't know whether that starts to maybe resonate in some sense, hopefully, because, um, but we'll see. I mean, I cling on to Dear Hope. It's a beautiful house, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, any, okay, is that your moan? Yeah, any, I don't know. I've got on the back of me. <laughs> I don't know if anything else to moan about. Cool. Yeah, I know previously we touched on a, um, I think it was a few weeks ago now, we did a, um, you know, we touched a little bit on like for tenants and um, what it's like for tenants. But yeah, I suppose with what I was just mentioning, is now a good time, do you think, for a, you know, if you're going to do a buy-to-let investment, do you think now would be a good time? If so, kind of why? Um, I'd let James set that one. I don't know. Is it a good time? Is it... I think, it, honestly, I think it depends on on what you want. Yeah. I think there's, it, it's not, is it a good time? Is it a bad time for me? It's a case of if you've got a little bit of money that you can put into something, mm-hmm. um, do you want to put it into property? I mean, we were having the conversation earlier about it, it's kind of well known with any big investors or anyone who's very involved sort of financially in that sector that um, stocks and shares have outperformed the property market decade after decade mm. so in terms of you know where where is where are you best off putting your money if you know what you're doing mm. by all accounts stocks and shares i mean personally i i wouldn't do it because i just don't understand it i don't trust it and i i don't like things i can't touch and see yeah. and uh, are tangible yeah, um yeah. you know for me property is safe mm. you know i understand property i can see property i can live in a property you know, I don't think you can live in your your shares and investments mm. in the same way you can in in a property, property. that you own. Um, albeit you might have tenants in there for a period of time, but I've always looked at it from the point of view of if if push comes to shove, you know, if the worst worst thing happens, at least you've got something to fall back on. At least you've got somewhere to live. Yeah. Potentially. Um, There's a difference as well, isn't it? There's a difference of people going in as a straight in as a buy to let, literally putting cash in, as you're saying, if you've got spare cash. I guess versus people actually that become sort of accidental landlords. We're talking about moving abroad for work, keeping mm. hold of a place. Do they sell it or do they try and keep it and become a landlord? I think obviously in that instance, I would always keep it. If you're looking yeah, at actually same. putting your cash in something because you've got some spare cash, mm. obviously take note of what's going on in the market. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a it's a bad time. I mean, we were, have said previously about it being slightly more stable than people think in terms of the market and values and such. As long as you're not paying, I mean, it, you know, I'd, I'd be careful about buying a house 30, 40 grand over an asking price. But if you're buying a one or a two bedroom flat as a as a rental investment, you're probably not going to be spending wildly over the market value for them anyway. You know, they tend to sit in a, a slightly tighter price range. Mm. Um, and actually looking at, at what you're going to be renting that out for for the next few years. So it's... um. Yeah, I yeah, agree. We've obviously think. got probably maybe a little bit more of a buy for you because we work in the industry. Like you say, you understand it. You know it. I was... um. You know, it's not obviously the case for a lot of things, but, you know, it's just one of those. I personally feel it's a lot safer because you actually know what you're getting. You're going to go through that process. You know, I was watching a, and I know this is a crazy example, but watching a documentary on that Bernie Madoff the other day, you know, mm-hmm. and done the massive big Ponzi scheme. Oh, that, yeah. They had everyone on it, you know, yeah. all celebrities, everyone was buying into it and they all, nothing. Lost millions. Um, exactly, whereas yeah. when you can see it and you can touch it, it's a, it's a, well, you just know what you've got, right? It's, yeah. it's, no one can kind of take it away from you necessarily. You don't pay your mortgage, but yeah. And I suppose you could argue if the you know if the economy does dip and stuff like that, you'd think that the FTSE would drop, you know, stuff like that. If you're not 
as well versed in stocks and shares where you can sit there every day reading what's happening, what's happening, what's happening. I suppose the property, I would say, is probably more of a longer term investment. Yeah, I think stocks yeah, and true. shares is, it takes a certain person, doesn't it? You know, I guess someone like my brother who works in banking, that, that's probably more his bag of understanding it. We've mm. got friends that work as traders and you hear the sort of stuff that they come out with and I would never be able to make sense of some of the stuff yeah. one of my mates Jack speaks about, but I could speak to him about property and he would understand some of it mm-hmm. because yeah. it's a little bit more... I think more of an the idea. layman term of it is easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't think there's ever a a bad time as long as you are careful with what you purchase and you purchase, you know, kind of I guess the right thing, which would probably lead to in a discussion of like what would be the best thing to buy, right? Mm. You know, it's um, it can be. I wouldn't really say it's a minefield. I think most, if you look at any professional landlords, like multiple properties, always are going to be flats. A lot of them are going to be two bedroom flats. I would Do you say. Think? Yeah. I'd say so. If you had a an an investor that's got property, it depends. I don't know. Yeah, split isn't it? These days you've got the HMO kind of yeah. side of things, which is seems to be taking on mm-hmm. far more. Um, but I think in past time, any one of our landlords that we've had that's had multiples have all been flats. Um, mm, a lot of the time, newer builds to try and move away from old property with more um, maintenance, more maintenance problems. Mm. Um, but yeah, normally flats was always the thing to buy because. It, Lesser cost, right? So you'd think, I guess, in terms of monetary value, you could purchase I think, more. Would you? I mean, it... historically, I think landlords had a bit of a format, didn't they? Because it was easier to get buy to lets as well. Yeah. A few years ago, you used to basically it was like twenty five percent. So you just put down your twenty five percent deposit, mm. and that was all that mattered. The, yeah. They didn't assess actually um, that you could afford to cover. I think it's one hundred twenty five percent of the the rent now, isn't it? Is on the stress test for the yeah, yeah is the way yeah. that they work it. So and they never used to bother with any of that. So you know, you, you'd have your 25%. So let's say you were looking at a flat at 200 grand, um, you'd have your 50K and it didn't matter what it would rent for, whether you'd get a thousand pounds a month or 1400 pounds a mm. month. The fact of the matter is it was 25% was all you needed. Um, and there was definitely probably about 10 years ago where a, a lot, of, not a lot of the landlords we dealt with, but a lot of um, sort of multiple property landlords that was just their format you know if they could pick up a two bed for 200 grand they would and, yeah. and they would just buy them up every time yeah. you know one after the other move tenants I was going to say if, if the market goes up slightly remortgage get some money out move on buy on to the next one keep floating the money around um, but that changed um, when when they changed the way in which as Alex said they stress test um, whether or not the buy to let figures stack up now which has meant Generally speaking, particularly for London, where the yields are two percent on average, give or take, mm. um, for most landlords, twenty five percent isn't enough because the the rental income isn't high enough mm. to protect the lender from yeah. the value that they're offering on the mortgage. So yeah. you end up as a purchaser, as a landlord purchaser, having to put more money down. So you're reducing the loan to value on the property. And therefore reducing the lender's risk. I think the rent at the moment, the lettings market is just crazy. Well, this is this is it. That's why there's been more. Um, we've we've seen we've not seen buy to let landlords around for forever. I mean, I can't remember the last time we had a sort of a, a consistent flow of people looking at buy to lets, but all of a sudden now the rents fly up. All of a sudden the yield has gone from two three percent. We're actually now, and I was working it out earlier before we came up here, just at a few of the properties. It's about five percent. Which if you speak to some. I mean, Years ago, when you'd speak to them, everyone would be trying to look for sort of eight to ten percent yields, which is a big, big. Like, what, what is a what is a good yield for if you're? I mean, you know, they say anywhere, anywhere between five to ten percent is a is a good yield. Right. You know, in London, you appreciate yield is based on what the rent is. Yeah. 
versus basically the value of the property, right? So take your rent, times it by 12, divide it by the property value, times it by 100 and you get yourself a percentage of, of what that is. Mm. The I guess in I guess in some sense, I think, you know, if you go up north where you might be able to get properties for cheaper uh, cheaper values, lesser values, and your rent is still strong because they're in university areas yeah. and such, which a lot of people push for, that's where you'll see the 8 to 10% yields. Uh, but obviously appreciate that with that, it's coming a lot more maintenance when those tenants move out. So that extra couple of percent you might have nicked over a couple of years, you're probably spending that out with refurbishments far yeah. more frequently. Um, I was going to say, a lot of those, they don't actually account for things like the void periods if the tenants decide to leave early. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if they finish in June or whenever it yeah. is, and then you're not actually Rough. renting it out till September, they, it, it's a slight miss. Uh, advertisement in terms of these wonderful yields they talk like leads for example where i know landlords up there that claim to get sort of 13 14 yields and actually when you work it out with refurb costs with the void periods in between tenancies it, it's not as it fantastic as they make it out you're probably paying because it's you know 200 miles yeah. out the country that i've always said and actually i've always said to anyone in the office or i would speak to clients is that i've never really enjoyed when that buy to let persons come across. I've had a few people in the past come across. I've got a spreadsheet and we put the figures in. I work out if the yield's worth it. I, I just don't find that. I don't know. I don't enjoy dealing with that type of person. Mm. When it all comes down to a percentage of a yield, I think it's just, mm. it's, they're not as easy to deal with. I think it's slightly in it for the wrong, they're in it for the right purpose, but I've always looked at sort of buy to lets. It's like, I would just buy a one bedroom flat or a two bedroom flat. I know that if you have a one bedroom flat, that, that property is not staying vacant for more than a week or two months every time you put it on. One bedroom flats are needed by everyone, right? That is the person who is going into their first property to rent. It's the person that's coming out of a two bed to downsize whilst they save a bit. Okay, with one bed, you'll see a slightly higher turnover. So you might only average a year to 18 months, but it, the demand for them is there constantly. Mm. Two beds, on the other hand, might push your rent slightly higher and you might get that slightly, um, slightly longer tenancy period from a tenant. So you, again, you might average two years, maybe two and a half but then obviously you're paying a lot more money. Mm. So I've always just looked at it like I would buy it based on more like gut feels to what's going to be the easiest thing to rent, where I'm going to get the nice tenant, the easy straightforward process. Because I think once you start chucking figures into a spreadsheet and looking at rent yields, I don't know, yeah, you start to, and that's that works for some people and that is a process a lot of people go through, particularly if you're a big time landlord. But, you know, buy a property, it's going to be easy to rent with a decent tenant and you, I mean, you've sorted yourself out in a huge way just by doing that. Yeah. Um, but would you do it purely just for the yield or capital growth? Is that going to come into it as well? If somebody's thinking about it. Capital growth is another one, I guess. Yeah. You know, if you're looking at properties, some people might say, what is the, you know, so on balance, I'd buy a one bed. And as I'd often say to clients, I would buy a one bed based on the fact that it's the easiest thing to rent. Mm -hmm. The yield might be quite strong in it because if you can get a one bed at three to three, two, five, but at the moment you can push maybe 1400 plus rent on it. The, the yield now is, is fairly strong. Yeah on balance, capital growth on a one-bedroom flat is going to be a lot lesser because they don't tend to move as much in value than if you were to buy a decent two-bed or a house for that matter. Mm. A house is going to have better capital growth over a period of time. So I don't think you can ever get it all right. You're not yeah. going to be able to hit all basis and be covered entirely. You know, you need to look at what suits you more and what you want in the short term. Yeah. Um, and I personally would do it based on more of the, you know, the property needs of because I'd want an easier time with it. If that means you make a slightly smaller profit over the space of three or four years, then so be it. I'll take the easier route. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know whether that would be a different fault. Um, no, I, I mean, I quite often say to landlords when they're first looking at investing is, you know, you need to make a choice as to whether or not you're doing this from the point of view of trying to maximise on profit, if, if there even is any at mm. the moment, given 
um, some of the changes that we'll cover shortly, um, or whether you're doing it from the point of view of capital growth and and you want the money in something that's going to grow. Because the truth is, the two tend not to move together. You, you know, your your best value yielding properties for London are generally ex local authority blocks mm. because they're going yeah. to be the cheapest to buy, and they tend to track the rents similarly to the other alternatives. Mm. You know, you'll find tenants actually won't pay a lot less. You for get a big three-bedroom flat in those some of those buildings, yeah. yeah, and the rent's going to be... Um, you know, we've got one at the moment that's on the market for 375. It's probably going to rent for 1850. I mean, that's a fantastic yield. Yeah. There's yeah. no two ways about it. Capital is, growth? It, capital growth, <laughs> yeah, <Zero. laughs> is, is negligible yeah. over the next few years. You know, just it, it might at some point get close to 400. Yeah. But it's not going to track the market in the same way that the houses will in terms yeah. of house price index increases over the next couple of years. So I think before you even look at investing in property, you need to make the decision as to actually what's the reasons behind it. You know, for me, when I bought mine before I had kids, it was always based on long term. It was the fact that mm. I'm an estate agent. I can see the way house prices are going. You know, how on earth are my children going to be able to afford a property in London I don't know what me and Days are going to do ultimately. We might stay, we might move out. But mm. if they want to do uni and all the rest of it, I wanted to make sure that I had a foothold there mm. that, you know, they've got somewhere they can live um, and ultimately own when all's said and done. So the, so the you actual... you weren't necessarily doing it just for income? No. That was not on your... No, the, separate no it, it cost me money. Yeah. I, I, I don't make any money off of that flat at all. Yeah. But it's a means to an end for... In, 15, 16 years' time, yeah, yeah, um, that, yeah, the kids will have something to live in in London if they wish, and if they don't, I'll sell it. Because um, I'll be honest, I actually, the these days, I don't <laughs> want to be a long-term landlord. I've got no interest in it. Um, because actually, from my point of view, I I don't do it for the yield and the profit. For the income, um, yeah. yeah, that's that's not the point. That's why I, I do my job. Mm-hmm. Um but I think if you're, from a landlord's point of view, if you've got the money to invest, um, particularly given where interest rates are now, because the other thing that you've got to look at, and this is what a lot of financial advisors will do with their clients, is they won't just look at, well, do you want to buy a property? They'll look at, well, wh- where else is your other financial exposure? Mm. You know, if you've just signed into a mortgage at 6% on a residential property, actually, is there any point in buying a buy to let? Or are you better off paying more money into your mortgage and reducing that for now mm. and waiting and see what happens with rates? Obviously, everyone's got their own sort Opinion. of situation uh, and financial mm. circumstances. But if I had the cash, would I buy right now? Yeah, why not? Yeah. In, in short, why, mm. why not? Um, but just based given, on what you want and when you want yeah. it, do you want an immediate income? So you buy the ex-local authority or something where actually the rent's quite high, the price is relatively cheap? Or are you looking for maybe making 30, 40, 50, 100,000 pound profit in the, in the years to come, in which case you're probably going to be buying a slightly more expensive property in the meantime, not really getting much out of it, but it covers the mortgage. So and one thing I've been uh, trying to remind most clients recently is when they moan that not getting any money out of your rental property, that tenant's also paying your mortgage off, right? So that's where the money's coming into it. And that's good thing is with mortgages, they're chipping that off in the background. So there is mm. equity growing in that. Uh, <laughs> it might cost you to run it, but yeah, well, it's it on an interest only. Yeah, yeah, I've got to disagree with that, I'm afraid. It's honestly, when, when you work out the figures on it, as Jack <laughs> just said, <laughs> no, I've got to disagree. Because it, right. interest only, is that weird? Yeah, yeah. you got to. So yeah. by, the, by, the time you, by the time you paid your interest, by the time you paid your tax, and by the time you paid repairs, yeah. based on 
the average London yield for most landlords, Patriot they agent, do not, yeah, they, they don't take away an income from it, which, which is my point of mind. I am not paying off my mortgage out of the profit that I get. No, from, sorry, I wasn't talking about, yeah, yeah, I get, I was more talking about it paying off the property's mortgage, but Jack's point is very valid, but if it's interest only. It's an interest only mortgage. Yeah, there's, 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 no way on, there's no way on an interest only of four or five hundred pounds a month when a rent is fifteen, sixteen hundred pounds a month that all of that eleven hundred pounds is getting swallowed up by tax and stuff. It's not a million miles away, mate. You'd be surprised. Yeah. You'd be very surprised. Well, that's why I don't own uh, rent profit yeah. stocks and shares, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this and this is the point. You know, would you buy would you buy a buy to let right now? Why not? You know, because the the truth is it isn't going to get any better on that side of things yeah. in, in the short term. But actually Rents have increased. So for landlords that bought previously, not unlike myself, if I was going to kick my tenant out and move someone new in, based on what the new rent would be, I probably would finally make a little bit of money off of it. Um, I'm not going to kick her out, just in case she's listening. Sabrina, <laughs> Sabrina you can stay. There's no problem. Um, but actually, the, the truth is, in terms of the change in the market, if, you are, if you've invested years ago, it will make a difference now. Yeah. The question is for someone new who's buying, will that will they benefit from that same increase given mortgage rates have gone up and, and everything else? Um, because they're starting from ground level. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I, I I would. If you want to be a landlord, I think it's a good thing to do. We need landlords at the moment. It's just nowhere near as attractive. I think people have always, if you hurt here or, or you look or anything in the past time, is that Landlords used to own properties and they'd be taking six, seven hundred quid a month into their pocket. Yeah. And that's what everyone thinks is, well, if I'm a landlord, I'd be making that much money. And the reality is it's just not like that anymore. No. Uh, which is why there are less landlords out there, which is why there is a shortage of housing, uh, which was all caused because there's tax implications and all these increased costs that go into it, which is just you, they're trying to generate money out of it, but actually they're costing uh, the end user far greater. So I don't know. The other side of that is actually becoming an accidental landlord, isn't it? I think that's the easy way of falling into it, you know, unknowingly. Yeah. Um, because actually you're just sort of passed into it. Uh, I mm. think if you can afford to keep your property, if you're pushed away for work for a couple of years or, well, I don't know, situation changes and, you know, you're off doing other things, I think for sure that, I don't, you know, I'd never want to, the kind of vague thing really of never sell your property because trying to get back into London is always really yeah. difficult if you're moving out. Um, so that would then be a let to buy, not a buy to let. A let to buy, yeah. And if you were going to go down Well, that that's only route. if you're off to buy something else. Obviously, if some people are just away for five years yeah, on yeah. work, keeping it just as a rental, yeah. Um, switching their, their mortgage over. And if you were going to do that, um, whether you're a buy-to-let investor, whether you're doing a let-to-buy, whether you're just moving abroad and you're going to rent it out, what's kind of the things that you'd have to you know, have in place? I suppose some of the buy-to-let investors might have a few and they might know a bit more, but if you're that kind of accidental landlord, what do you think is kind of, what do they need to get in place, basically? Oh, well, there's I mean, a host of things, really, but are you talking about things like electrical safety stuff? Yeah, yeah, form, yeah. I mean, you, you know, your, your main things really is a, an owner to consider uh, on your property straight away. Energy performance certificate. Um, mm. They last for 10 years. I think we covered this. I don't know if we covered this one in previously. I can't remember I when so. to get things, but energy performances, they last for 10 years, right? So there's real. There's no real um, delay on getting it. Just get it sorted because it's there. You'll have it from when you possibly purchased. You can like download them. Seven, oh, the, I mean, anywhere between probably 50 to 80 pounds, I'd say, is the right. average cost. Yeah. Um, and that rates the energy efficiency of the house. Obviously, there are, uh, You. Ha it's, I think, is it F minimum? E. E, sorry, yeah, E. But potentially going up to a C, they're trying to push that to by 2025, yeah. I think. Correct. Um, yep. Which is obviously a minimum rate. That would be on new tenancies. On new tenancies, yeah. yeah. So it won't be a blanket for bag. existing. It will be on anything kind of new. Yeah. Um, that is a minimum level that you need to, you know, your house needs to be efficient by to try and keep costs down. And obviously as we move into a, 
a world of huge, you know, I guess costs on uh, energy and bills. People are more aware of it. Uh, electrical safety um, or the electrical installation report is, again, it's, it's, it's lasts for five years. So again, it's just worthwhile doing, you know, if you're in the lead up to getting yourself ready to rent your property out, these are things you can just get going with. Um, yeah. There's no real kind of, you know, immediate time cap. Last for five years, they cost about, let's say sort of 140 to 180 to get the initial certificate done. Uh, you will possibly find that there are going to be a, a, you know, a room of things off the back of it to go and, yeah. um, to go and get sorted. Regulations change all the time. I think they changed 2017, possibly there's an update 2019, but effectively they went from metal consumer units, the fuse box on your wall, to plastic and then back to metal. So you had to, you need to make sure you were up to date in order to pass, um, which is why that's probably the main thing I'd just get going with early doors because yeah. you give yourself ample time to get it fixed. And it's, a it's a legal it's requirement. It's a legal requirement. It's a legal requirement. And some of the works can be intrusive. So yeah, you can be chasing walls, right, for cabling and all yeah. sorts of stuff. You, you want to do that before you're looking at going to market. Yeah. And give yourself time, because if you want to shop around for a few quotes, I mean, the people that do your reports will always give you a quote, but, you know, often you find people disappear off and kind of do their own thing. So, um, yeah, energy performance and electrical safety are two things which you can just do straight away. You then start to get into other things which are slightly more sort of time-pressured or specific to the actual tenancy itself. A mm-hmm. gas safety certificate, if you have gas appliances, um, that only lasts for 12 months. So that's something that we would normally advise getting done the week leading up to the tenant moving in. If you do it in the week leading up, then you can sort of run it alongside your tenancies rather than doing it a month or two before and you're always kind of renewing it um, yeah, out of line with the actual tenancy itself. Um, consent to let possibly from your, you know, if you are a homeowner moving away and you're on a residential mortgage, you will often need consent to let from your mortgage um, uh, lender, which will just be, you might see a slight change on your, your rate. There might be a little kind of extra additional to pay because of the benefit receiving the income from it. Others sometimes just give you 12 months of free and then we'll ask to change you over onto a, um, or the, till the end of your fixed term and then change you over onto a, a rental product. Um, and then I guess you get into a lot of optional things like inventories and professional cleaning and stuff like that, which I guess is a, um, can be a second thought for most people. I would say to anyone that's listening, like inventories, they're not compulsory, but we 100% make them compulsory for most of our landlords in any way that we can by advising them. Yeah. Like, it's the only record of what's in that property. And you often get people say, oh, it's fine. It's brand new. It's empty. Walls are painted white. I've got the receipts for the carpet. Forget it. If a tenant burns the carpet with the iron and you don't have a third party who has written a report, you're not going to get anything back at the end. Mm. Um, So cover yourself. You know, get that inventory. There was was a case a few years ago, wasn't there? Um, I won't name and shame the agent, but another very well-known London agent who um, the, the tenant at the end of the tenancy the tenant's landlord had basically kind of given all these deductions for damage, whatever. And, you know, I, I don't know rightly or wrongly whether they were correct. Um, but essentially the landlord hadn't had a third party inventory done. Um, and it went through to, um, I think it was the TDS who were dealing with it. And um, the tenant basically stood there and went, it was... 10 o'clock at night when I was trying to move in, the landlord wouldn't hand over the keys if I didn't sign his personal inventory. Mm. What do you think I was going to do? Yeah. Um, and essentially, it, the TDS ruled in favour of the tenant. It was just like, yeah, he's absolutely right. You should have had a, a third-party inventory done. Yeah. It's not impartial, and therefore we're not I mean, It used to be the way before tenants' deposits were registered and had to be, which came in like 2008. Um, everyone did themselves. We did them ourselves. Mm. And I actually remember we we actually had one where we used to manage this house for years. I don't know if we still have it, but 
we used to do all the inventories on it. So we had done one and the tenants ended up moving out after quite a prolonged period where different tenants had changed at different times. We had an issue, tried to use it, take it. And that was the first time really, and this was back in 2009, 10, maybe something like that, where it was like, no, no, that's yours. One, it's old. Two, it's you've done it yourself on behalf of the landlord. Um, and three, you know, you've had a change of tenants. It's not been re-signed and all this. And that was when it really started. Everyone started to really phase in professional inventories. And you started seeing companies providing the service. So any agent or, well, yeah, any agent really that offers to do them for you like in-house by themselves, forget it. It needs to be outsourced because you have a biased opinion. If I mm. say it's excellent because you're my client, you're paying me a fee. It's my interest to do that. Mm. Um, so yeah, get inventories for sure. It's the only record of what you've got. Yeah, and then once you've done that, you've got everything ready, you've got the ICR, you've got the EPC, you've got the gas safety, all of that. You go to market, you're then ready. You find a tenant. What should, you know, again, what what are you kind of looking out for in a tenant? Is there a... Uh, just to mention a few other bits. So um, you need to have a smoke alarm on every floor. You've yeah, got living accommodation. Important factor there, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So make sure you check that. You also need a carbon monoxide alarm now in any room that has a combustion appliance. Yeah. So... It was solid fuel burning appliances, which basically meant your your open fireplaces uh, were burning stoves. But now that they've changed it to combustion appliances, that also includes boilers, boilers um, and gas heaters. So, um, yeah, you, you need to make sure you're doing those things. Um, and the other part with it is considering whether you're going to rent something furnished or unfurnished um, and that the furniture complies um, with the fire safe regulations. If you are, which is basically about the stuffing and how flammable the stuffing is. So if you've got pillows, cushions, um, mattresses, anything like that, your sofa all needs to comply or have fire safety tags on it. If yeah, it, if yeah most people have seen them as well. It's the big like cigarette or the mm. fire thing underneath, say that the, the matches yeah. in it. I don't know, I think they do. I think it is a cigarette actually. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. people dropping cigarettes on yeah. chairs and yeah. not burning them, setting light. Um, or if you don't have those, there is also a label quite often, a sewn on label. Um, that will say that it complies. Yeah, under the pillows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, th- those are just a few other points from a um, regulation point of view that you need to check. Um, and then coming on to what was the question? Sorry, Jack. Um, <laughs> what you do after that? Yeah, once yeah. You've got so them once you've got all, of, like, all of the regulations, any other yep. thing we've missed? Just anything I we might think, have missed out? I think right. we've covered all the regs. I mean, the only other thing really, and this is more for different landlords. I mean, different boroughs have different things as well. So this is not right. a. a, a I guess a one-off rule for everyone is that you will often have uh, licensing in different areas. So different boroughs or councils will require different forms of licensing. That is literally a paid-for license in order to rent the property. I believe in like an area like Croydon, it's just a, everyone has to have a license. You have to apply every time uh, you rent a property. I don't think the fee is that big, but it is a license for all. We work in a borough of Lewisham where actually the license is more based on house multiple occupancies and there is additional licenses and main licenses. So I guess you need to sort of check where you are and where your council may require you to to pay them so that they're aware that you're renting that property, mm-hmm. um, which is about kind of keeping it, I guess, a register for safety reasons and stuff. Of who what. Yeah, and those, what the HMO Lewisham changed, what, last May? Uh, middle of, last I think it was May. middle of last year. We, you know, we went from a, a scenario of where actually it's that typical HMO, which is a house multiple property, where it was like five or more people outside of a single family unit over like multiple floors. So mm. you're talking your big houses crammed full of people which fair enough, you only see it's right. And actually they've now brought it down to three or more people. So you're talking just a three bedroom house, which you may have rented to sharers before or a couple and their friend, which is quite an often thing to see. 
now uh, Lewis would actually pay £500 per bedroom for the luxury of doing it. But it's three households, isn't it? Not three people. Outside of a household. Yeah. So you could have a couple with a friend and that's not a household and yeah. therefore you'd require licensing. So again, this would differ though from everyone. This That's so specific to us. So, yeah, well. since we've... Um... Since those law, not weeks, but since Lewisham Council changed all of that, have you have you actually had any that have gone? Well, on we've to seen it. Yeah. We, I mean, we've only had one client be willing to do it, and this again is another sort of thing that you know, I guess, a short sighted view on thinking that that will bring in more money, and and I guess that there'll be a certain level of control because you get these rogue landlords who are shelling people in houses, right? So it sorts that area out. But then since but that, does it? Because you're assuming that they're going to be honest and be like, oh, I need to get my HMO oh, license. Oh, I'll pay £1,500 pound to you because... Yeah, of, yeah, these are the same landlords that won't bother getting their gas safety done, won't do the EICR. So they're not suddenly going to do a HMO mm. license with because you need to have all of that documentation. Yeah. In order to get your license, you have to prove that you've complied with all the regulations. So, yeah. sorry, I, I just... But it's true, I, isn't it? Because then the flip side of it is, is that we've only rented one house in the last 18 months now, or last year, let's say, because I think it was earlier than middle of last year. Uh, to share it yeah. everything else has been because it's also so competitive and there's always a couple there or something right. that's easier mm-hmm. the landlord will just take the easier route of course why would you not so once again tenants um, have been screwed over shafted because of a regulation that doesn't really look uh, in the long term it's just yeah. short-sighted brings in mm-hmm. money um, it has nothing it offers no benefit to sorting out rogue landlords as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. you know the, the whole HMO licensing scheme you by by the very nature of that scheme, the only landlords that are actually going to comply with it are the ones who are already complying with their obligations yeah, as they right, exist. Yeah. You know, what they should be doing is going after the landlords with serious fines and, and possibly um, custodial sentences for, for some of the stuff that we see, um, going after them directly mm. with, with penalties, not actually making it harder for good landlords who do comply with the regs yeah, to, rent um, to rent their properties out, which, as yeah. we were just saying, in turn actually negatively impacts the tenants. Because if you're three professional sharers now and you want to try and get a, a house share together, the chances are the only way you're now getting it is by paying more money um, yeah. in order to cover the landlord's license. And you have less option of properties who might end up even taking a lesser standard mm-hmm. from what you're happy, you know, from what you're willing to pay. Um, which, yeah, it's just a... A roundabout way of just indirectly screwing tenants, unfortunately, which is yeah. just a, a shame to it. Um, yeah. Once you've jumped through those hurdles, though, is, yeah, we've <laughs> got, got through all of that. What um, I suppose, like tenancy lengths and things like that. What do you, you know, you get find a good tenant, move them in for five years because they seem nice. I wouldn't. Is that how it's done? Do you, I mean, I've, look, I've heard people often. I mean, look, it's um, different opinion from different people on, on what is the best route of doing it you know typically 12 months would be deemed as like a long-term tendency so that's going to give you the scope of most tenants not really mm. going to cause you problems um one year two year once you get to three years it changes things have to be signed as a deed it's it's the sort of, sort of, kind of uh, rule changes amongst it although there are rule changes and that's what should be done i mean we've had an agent recently trying to promote a four-year tenancy to some to a landlord uh, really yeah yeah and and just you know it sounds great and we can do this and we can do that and the reality is is that I presume they're paid on the four years. Well, it's a four-year term, right? Yeah. So it is a fee based over a four-year period. Um, the the thing that I would always say to anyone is that a 12-month stint is a long enough period of time for a bit of security over what income you've got coming towards you from a rent from a tenant that pays rent. Once you start to get into a longer window, it sounds great because who wouldn't want a tenant for two years locked in and can't go anywhere? Mm. But if you have a problem with that tenant, whether that is just a minor point about they're just really difficult to deal with or whatever it might be, you can handle 12 months. Six months passes quite quickly. You'll you'll get through the additional six months of it. Um, if they're a really bad tenant and they're causing problems or whatever, then again, it's a period you can handle. 
Two years is a hell of a long time. If you want to sell the property, you want to move back into it, you want an issue, you know, say 12 months, you can handle, you can get to the end and you can move on and you can reset yourself. Two years is just a massive period of time. Um, and I think most agents push the two-year terms or the longer terms because actually people can charge a fee based on it. And actually, I've always been very open to landlords. We don't charge massive costs for renewing a tenancy. So it's not like it's in our interest to do short tenancies so we can, you know, screw them up loads of money. We actually have quite a small cost for doing it, but I would just always do it. It's more of a security point of view for the owner, making sure you know where you are, giving yourself options at the end of that year. Um, most tenants will stay. If you've got a good tenant and you've up kept to their needs and the property's in good condition and they're happy there, you know, one thing I'd always say about when you're finding a tenant is try and do the unfurnished route, kind of encourages people to make it home and, and therefore stay longer term. Renew the contract, you know, spend the 500, 600 pounds kind of administrative cost renewing it but no, you've got a decent tenant and you're happy to go for another 12 months rather than mm. just signing your life away because, yeah, yeah, it's just daft. It's two-way two right? street, right? You know, if if the landlord's good to the tenant and the tenant's good to the landlord, win-win. You know, yeah. it, it just works. And what sometimes you'll find as well is some tenants are going to be quite savvy is asking for a two-year contract with a 12-month break clause. You're not really doing is stopping the rent from being discussed for two years, which mm. fair enough because rents are stupidly high. But really all that does is give anyone security for 12 months, not 24. So it's just a way of wording it slightly differently. Get around it, yeah. yeah. And some agents will push that as well because we'll charge you for two years and they'll only reduce, you know, they'll only reimburse the fee if they move out after 12. I just think keep it, yeah, a year's a long time, isn't it? You start looking at longer term than that. I think you're sort of getting yourself in a bit too deep is my view on it. Yeah. And I don't think... Completely agree. you're not going to deter a tenant by saying, no, it's 12 months only. Mm. It just wouldn't happen. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, And yeah, it's the industry standard anyway. I think it's what most people expect. These days is a twelve month tenancy, so yeah, that's where why, you find all your tenants. I mean, you know, it's when you get to six mold. months or lesser, that's where you have your problems mm. with actually securing tenants, isn't it? But once it's available for twelve months with an option to renew, yeah. but also any tenant who wants something for six months, I do look at it from the point of view of why you know moving such an upheaval. Yeah. Well, they're off in six months for sure. But yeah, they just want if they ask bit. for it, they're generally going to yeah, activate. Yeah, yeah, I want to break clause just to be safe. Well, and if you say no, they give in to it. If they don't, they're gone. You yeah. know, they're gone. Yeah, um, and you get the occasional one who's stopgap between selling and buying another yeah. place, doing renovations, mm. and, and that's fine. But actually, you know, if you've got a landlord who needs a tenant long term, twelve months, mm. you know, that's the one to go for. Yeah, and if they've been referenced correctly as well, then you, you're going to know that, as I say, from a financial point of view, they're sorted. But particularly with, I guess, a lot of our clients, well, accidental landlords, it's their home. Make sure you've got the right person there. You know, make sure they are a nice tenant. Um, because actually you might just they might be paying your rent and they might be bringing the income but you may just want to change a tenant in a year's time because actually you just don't like the individual and in terms of that tenancy if you're you know the landlord what are they what's the tenant got to go through what hoops have they got to jump through how do you know you've got a good tenant what because you know the estate agent says oh they're nice they're moving I'll get my commission how do you know they're I mean different I guess stringent? different um, different agents do different things I mean we outsource and, and reference through third parties to strip away the biased kind of opinion that someone's a nice person yeah. that comes with Employment checks, landlord checks, credit checks, you know, really a whole... Um, it's pretty stringent, isn't it? It is pretty stringent, yeah. But, you know, there's a, about, you know, a sort of a, a marker set. You have to earn 30 times a monthly rent as a household to sort of pass. So it's I about, can honestly but, say, I think it's more difficult passing tenant referencing a than a mortgage application. Yeah, yeah, I think that. When you look at actually what the I mean, information At least with a mortgage application, you can just send three of your, your pay yeah. slips and a, and a couple of bank statements and they'll work for it for you. Yeah. Um, which is another thing, though. Some agents will just take bank statements and I just we've never done that I think it's a very easy way of skewing the reality of what someone has yeah, but also if it was a bad tenant and you wanted that if you weren't going to pass reference in you, if you're that kind of way in the client, you could be fraud you know 
Well, it, it could, could be, be fraudulent. But also, just because someone's earned X amount of money for three months doesn't mean they've got a full-time job. Yeah. And as a landlord and as, a, as an agent, when you're renting a property for a 12-month period, you're trying to make sure that you've got a decent situation for 12 months. Mm. So it, are you self-employed, contracted, permanent position, all these different variations of, of employment? Mm. Check them, you know, and check them strictly. And actually, if a tenant doesn't want to go through that, I'd be wary of the, the tenant. Why, yeah. Exactly. Whereas actually you'll find that most people in this day and age are respectable tenant with a, in a job looking for a rental they expect to go through it it's not new everyone does pretty much the same thing between agents bar some you know some agents so it's not an unusual thing but yeah it will give you a full background it will take away the the fact that i think you're a nice person mm. and it'll look to you whether you've got adverse credit whether or not you're in employment you know what your background is with your current landlord and actually it just gives the the landlord a, a, just a yeah paints a picture doesn't it beyond just knowing who that person is by face so as much as the rent you're saying like the tenant is you know i know there's not a percentage or to say that sort of value but the person you get in is equally as important as the amount that you're going to be achieving more so more more yeah Uh, you know sales is about trying to get the best price possible without a shadow of a doubt Mm. that's the goal of selling your property within reason you still you know need to go back to some of the other episodes where we talk about um, different buyers but for for lettings I think the the most crucial number one important part of it is finding the right person mm. the money will fall into place but only on the basis that you find the right person you've got to think about it from the point of view if you've got if you've got a property at £1,500 a month and you've got an offer at £1,500 a month from someone who you're a little bit uncomfortable with and you've got an offer from someone at £1,400 a month who you feel very confident, who's going to fly through referencing, who seem lovely, mm. you know, is, is it worth the risk of that extra £100 a month from the one that you're worried about? I don't think so. I'd take the nicer tenant all day. No, well, yeah, I mean, what, for 100 quid a month? Every, I mean, you're just you'll looking spend at more issues and stress and hassle. Putting things right. Mm. One, you know, if, if the tenant 1500 does do any damage, it, it really doesn't take that much damage for those figures to add up. Yeah. You know, a couple of carpets get burnt, there's 600 quid replacing those. The walls mm. get damaged. There's another 600 quid yeah. to a painter decorator. Mm. You know, there's your 1200. And that doesn't include the wooden worktop that the tenant's never ever cleaned and has left the tap running over for 12 months and is now completely and utterly gone. Yeah. Um, you know, and you also you get sometimes get that landlord when if you say you pitch it at a slightly higher rent, but a tenant comes forward and they're a fantastic tenant, the rent is let's say 100, 150 pounds a month below what it's on for. And they just say no to them in favour of waiting for the high rent, but they wait three weeks to try and get that rent. Well, they've just lost all that money anyway. So yeah. you'd always want to try and look what's in front of you at the time and engage it based on what it is. Mm. Because, yeah, a good tenant is everything. And we'll often work through offers and continue to do viewings in favour of trying to find the better person. Um, and in terms of that, if you are just that landlord, what um, have you got any tips for them to try and attract the best possible tenant? Yeah, look after the property. Yeah. So it's very, very simple. You know, it's if you want good quality tenants... Offer them a good quality home. Yeah. You know, you tend to find, I mean, I've, I've worked in, in a few places over the years, and you tend to find that actually the quality of the property will attract the tenant. Yeah. Um, you know, if, you're, if you don't really care about your property, you don't really maintain it, look after it, you don't modernize it periodically, then unfortunately, what you're going to see is the quality of your tenants will decline year after year. Mm. Um, because in truth, our professional tenants going to want to live in something that's got a twenty-year-old kitchen, a yeah. bathroom that has had the same silicon around the bathtub for the last fifteen years and is black with mold. Kitchens and bathrooms are the big thing. Aren't I they? mean, yeah, of course sure. they're not. So you know, make sure the property is well presented. Do the work when it needs doing, mm. um, and actually, you should find as a result of that, 
you attract the right sort of people. And it's it's not fair to tarnish everyone with the same brush, but at the end of the day, the law of averages prevails with it. And if you put something quality out, you quality tend to get something quality, quality back. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I'd also say as well, just from a sort of, I suppose, an agent's point of view, that sort of, you know, you see it a lot. I know we're obviously in the borough of Lewisham, Catford, Forest Hill, Evergreen, wherever. If you're looking on those listings, if you've got, you know, I would say our, I know I'm going to say it, but our marketing compared to other agents' marketing, I don't know, a lot of it just seems to, I would be much more likely if I was looking for a rental, if it's got the real nice marketing, you know, if you're a professional tenant, I'm going to go for that. If somebody's walked around just taking the photos, you know, on their phone. kind of on that, it's a yeah. dark. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's the speed aspect, isn't it? That's actually just making sure you've been efficient as well. Everyone's going to want to see the nicest thing first. So actually, if you want to draw the best tenant, of course, mm. market in the best way, and you're going to get those viewings earlier on than if you put some crap out there. And actually, you'll you might find them at some point, but it might take you a week or two to get to them because actually, you're the, sort of the, the second fiddle property they mm. they come back round to. Uh, kitchens and bathrooms are an expensive thing to do, but for sure, they're the biggest difference in quality of tenant, value of the place, you know, what you're going to get. And actually, as long as you upkeep it over the space of a few years, it will hold out and it will affect your end value when you come to sell at some point if you are. Mm. Um, so definitely for sure is it's presentation. And when it's, if it's unfurnished, you're talking about a lick of paint here and there, keeping it nice and say the kitchen and bathroom. The rest of it is, is down to the tenant, isn't it? Mm. To furnish it themselves, so. Um, and you know obviously you hope the situation never arises but if you've got a you know somebody who for whatever reason isn't paying the rent if you've got somebody that needs to be evicted to get out is there anything that a landlord or potential landlord could do to protect themselves against that or uh i mean rent guarantee insurance is a is insurance that most um third party like reference agencies can offer and you can get it obviously just separately anyway which is a is an insurance over the rent, right? So it normally, I mean, typically the one that we have will cover rent. I think it's up to sort of two and a half, three thousand pounds a month uh, for a twelve-year period, and you pay monthly. And you know, it's, it's obviously it's, it's an insurance like anything. Um, so if they if the tenant stops paying, they'll pay for you, and then they'll often uh, offer you legal cover as well to evict your tenant. Um, but look, if you have a decent standard of property, and again, it's about the law of averages. Quality generates quality. Mm-hmm. The law of averages also show you that realistically, you move yourself away from those problems. In the 13, 14 years I've been in our various offices, I think we've had four or five tenants be evicted versus the 10, 12, 13 that some people get on a yearly basis just because of trying to find the right tenant and dealing with the right clients. I guess, mm. you know. Yeah, I mean, we've all walked away from properties. Yeah, massively. You know, of course, yeah, where, where we've walked in and gone. Uh, uh, for me, I set the bar based on would I live here? And if mm. the answer to that question is no, yeah. why on earth would I, I take that on and, and mm. allow someone else to move in? Yeah. Um, and and that that is my gauge check for whether I'm even interested in taking a property on. Yeah, I'd say we do the flip side of that as well in terms of an offer. If you've got a tenant, for whatever reason, if there's just, you know, we obviously meet a lot of tenants and mm. you kind of know that if you've got somebody who might be a bit of a problem, what to kind of look out for, I'd use that on the same thing. You know, yeah. would you rent yeah. Would you rent your house to, to that, that person? Individual. And if yeah. for whatever reason the answer is no, you know, they're, they're not I mean, that's the thing. Is we that's a gut it, feeling sometimes. I mean, we said it on a... Um, previous podcasts about sales right and having that certain level of influence over what goes on and mm-hmm. who people are going with that is like more so on lettings because mm-hmm. at the end of the day you're trying to provide a, a, an opinion based on someone that's going to borrow someone's house mm-hmm. and when i'm trying to advise a client on an individual you really have to have a decent feel about that person to put them forward um so yeah just a um sure. a quick one i've actually got a friend who's looking into doing renting it and um he has actually got his <laughs> bit Funny, I suffer from the same problem. Massive cat allergies. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's not that funny. Jeez. I thought you'd say something more serious than that. Well, that's quite serious. I think Alex, I'm lost without my inhaler. Um, and he's like, I want to rent my flat out, blah, blah, blah. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to rent it to someone with pets. I don't want cats in my flat. I don't yeah. want them anywhere near there. Um, is he allowed to do that? Uh, it's a very grey area. It's a, the, and the reason I say that is that comes down to the contractual terms. Mm. Now, there is a standard clause within most tenancy agreements that says that you cannot have a pet. Um, the government is looking into changing that. What's with, a pet? Well, a, an animal. Gerbils are exempt. Is it gerbils or rabbits? Chi- chi- chickens and rabbits. <laughs> chickens and um, rabbits. Chicken, there you go. He said that on the lot on the yeah, one yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, the so the problem is with the no pets thing in terms of a clause is I I did actually speak to a solicitor about this, and at the end of the day you can put whatever you want into a contract. Mm. It doesn't necessarily make it enforceable. And his argument was that under the Consumer Rights Act that could be deemed as an unfair contract clause. Mm. Um, but the problem is it's never been tested at court. Now, the government are looking into changing it anyway, so they're trying to create a model tenancy agreement that they want the industry to use, which does allow pets. What, what actually, it's the reverse, is that it's implied that you're allowed a pet and actually the landlord has to come up with a reason as to why you can't. So, for example, the allergies, if they're planning on moving back in in a year, potentially maybe that would be a reason to not allow someone with a pet. The truth is, at the moment, at the end of the day, it's at the landlord's discretion. Mm. Um, well, it's, it's kind of said that they can't unreasonably withhold permission, isn't it? I think yeah, that's, the, uh, that's so it's yeah, implied it was, that you are... Yeah, <laughs> means that you can't really say no. Yeah. Um, they haven't, as far as I know, come out with the reasons as to why you would be allowed to say no. But again, this is the new model tenancy agreement. It's not generally being used from what I've seen so far. Um, but I do think at some point they need to do something on it because I think there is a huge mental health issue with the fact that you can have, and, and we saw it with the pandemic, you know, single people in a property, no one else there living with them. Actually, those people should be allowed to have a pet if they oh, want one. I think you're saying about budget. You're allowed a budget? Just made that up. You had a budgie. A budgie. You can I have mean, budgie if... smugglers. If really? you want. <laughs> Interesting. Might have just made that one up then. Um, Ask him for a friend. Yeah, yeah. Cut that bit out. <laughs> like an idiot. Um, anything else you guys want to add? I think that, no, no, it's I mean, one of those we could go on all day. It's, it's a long, long. It's, it's a, a very long detailed topic. conversation, yeah. isn't but it? I think we sort of rounded some of the some of the info. For some try to give an think. overview. Um, in short, bye bye to let. Don't worry about it. Go to our tenancies. Get a decent agent. Yeah. And if it's in the borough of Lewisham, give us a call. And we'll come out and why not value it and yeah. tell you in a bit more detail face to face. Yeah. And um, as always, thank you very much for that, chaps. Uh, been informative uh, as you always are. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>